Hi everyone and welcome to the Coma Podcast. It's really great to have you all here with me. Um, yeah, we're well into season two now and um, on this series that we started recently called Questions of Faith. Um, I may think of another name for it, but that's the name it's currently got, Questions of Faith. Um, just a recap for those who don't know where this is coming from. Um, the last 18 months for me have been, I've been on a real personal journey of kind of spiritual enlightenment, uh, deconstruction and reconstruction. Um, and earlier this year, I just wrote down this list of questions that I had about faith, about spirituality, about um, everything, about you know, about the spiritual journey and belief and, ev- and everything. And, um, and I thought the best way to explore these questions would be with other people, um, in discussion with other people. So um, I'm going to be doing this podcast series with a whole load of different people talking about these questions. And um, last time we began with um, Charles Porter, my friend from Detroit, talking about what we believe. And we talked about a whole load of different things, um, including substitutionary atonement and Donald Trump and um, a whole load of other different stuff. And the kind of general outcome of that conversation was that what we believe is important. But what's just as important, if not more important, is how we believe. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Charles is back with me again. So uh, welcome, Charles. It's great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, I say I say it's great to have him back. Um, we, we're recording these interviews together at the same time. So for us, it's like 20 minutes since we just did the last one. For you, it's, Right, we just got to create the illusion, right? The magic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for you, it might be a week or two weeks, but it's... Um, for us, it's um, about 20 minutes. So, um, so yeah, um, how we believe. Um, now, um, to start this up, I want to I want to tell a story, really, of um, my own journey because um, for me, how we believe is very very much about binary and non-binary ways of believing and dual and non-dual thinking. So, um, when I talk about that, I mean um, binary. But the way binary belief is. Um, in out thinking, it's like there's you know there's one way to do it, one way to believe, one way to one set of beliefs that you believe and they're right and the other stuff is wrong, and everything about that th- stuff is wrong. Um, so you're either in or out, um, and there's no kind of there's no kind of in between, there's no kind of dialogue, there's no interaction, there's no conversation. Um, it's very um, divisive in a way and a lot of Christians believe this this way in fact a lot of human beings believe this way um, it's very um, common in our culture to believe this binary way of thinking and I believe this way for a long time um, and then I read Richard Raw's The Naked Now um, which is a book I'd recommend to everybody um, and he talked about this non-dual way of thinking this non-binary way of thinking this inclusive way of thinking that everything belongs um, that every story matters, that we need to hear everyone's stories, um, that everything belongs, and uh, and I wanted to I wanted to think this way, and I saw that people like Rob Bell and Peter Rollins were talking about the same kind of things, and that this was how they believed, um, and I heard Pete Rollins talk about um, believing with closed hands or um, or open hands, and believing with closed hands means it's a very binary way of doing things it's these are my set of beliefs i'm staying where i am i'm right you're wrong um we're not having a conversation about this because i'm right 
um, and there's no potential for growth, there's no potential for moving forward or developing your beliefs or, or hearing other people's stories or dialogue. And then there's open, open-handed belief, which is, I want to hear your story even if I disagree with you. We don't, we don't have the same beliefs, but we can have a conversation, we can hear each other's stories, we can hear each other's beliefs and backgrounds, and we can both grow from it. And an open-handed belief means always being willing to grow and to learn and to move forward from where you are and willing to let go of your beliefs and move to a different place. And this is a, that's a much more non-dual, um, non-binary way of believing. Um, and I was with my spiritual director um, a few weeks, a few months back, um, and I, I mentioned this last time, but... Um, and. I was talking about politics, and I was talking about, um, you know, how people had approached the election of Donald Trump, and there'd been a very binary response to that, um, which I wasn't comfortable with, and um, a lot of people kind of basically unwilling to hear. A lot of people on the liberal side, the side that I was on, in a sense, up until up until then. Um, saying that, you know, basically acting like everyone who supported Trump was was racist, homophobic, sexist, um, misogynist, and, you know, without willing, without even daring to hear their stories, without even considering hearing their stories, and I thought that was wrong. Um, I didn't, I don't like Donald Trump as much as anybody else, you know, but, but I wanted to hear people's stories, and so I spent a lot of time listening to people who had supported Trump and explaining why they had supported him. And when I actually heard their stories, I didn't agree with them, but I understood. And they and none of them were racist, none of them were homophobic, none of them were misogynistic, um, and none of them were anti-disabled. Um, you know, none of them. And to be honest, m- most of them didn't even like Donald Trump. They only supported him. We talked about this last time, me and Charles... Um, and I'm talking a lot, and I'll let him talk in a minute. But um, most of them uh, didn't really want him, but he was anyone that was listening to their story. He was anyone who was actually engaging with their story. Um, because, I, And it occurred to me that a lot of liberals are believe, were believing the same way as a lot of conservatives, with closed hands. Um, and now I'm in this place where um, I don't class myself as liberal or conservative um, I don't really have a label for where I am now it's kind of beyond both of them um, I definitely veer more on the liberal side in terms of my beliefs and my perspectives and stuff but um, I don't want to tie myself to one side or the other side I don't. I want to hear everyone's stories and I want to grow and I want to learn and I want to move forward in my spiritual journey and this is, this is something I think we all need to we need to discuss and that um, something that's really been lacking. So, okay, I've talked for a long time. Um, <laughs> what's your perspective on this, Charles? I'd, I'd really love to hear your perspective on this. You know, um, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place, but I also am finding that it's a little bit unhelpful at times for, well, I think we're actually in the same place. There's people who want to hear stories and want to try to create um a happy medium. So what is that in spiral dynamics terms? It's like what a green B meme where every story is somewhat valid to a point 
or they're valid and we need to find something in the middle. Yeah, that's, but then, what's, yeah, that's what's called a uh, second-tier consciousness. Right. And yeah. so then the next step of that is everybody wants to hear the stories, but, every, but people understand that not every story is valid. Yeah. So I think that that's the, the kind of thing. So like when it comes to, you know, big ticket issues like racism, um, white supremacy, uh, different things like that, then, yeah, we can hear them and we should hear them. We should listen because, you know, people don't look at Charlottesville. People don't come out with clubs and torches when they feel hurt, even though even if you're the majority, you can feel like you're not hurt. Yeah. Um, and especially in the age of the underdog, which I, I prefer to hear people of color and people who are oppressed over the stories of the people who are in the majority, but they felt unheard. So they march in the streets and brutalize people and then we can demonize them and then bring other people in and demonize that side and you're just swinging the pendulum and that's not helpful. But if you can hear everyone's stories and say, hey, you know, that story is not valid in, in the in the sense of here's the truth about those situations without without clubbing people over the head with it mm. too without without devaluing people you can affirm someone and disagree with them you can affirm someone and tell them that that their opinion or or that their certain set of belief in the moment or their emotions towards something are are not true you can affirm someone and say i hear you i love you i appreciate you you bring a lot of value to the table but maybe if we could get you to look at it from this perspective, then we can all go. I think that's called what a third way yeah. wisdom or something like that. So it's kind of it's all in that category. And I actually I think of, of the woman at the well, the story of the woman at the well in this case. Yeah. You have something that's supposed to be cut and dry by the law. This woman's supposed to be stoned. And then Jesus comes along and sees this crowd of people and they're, you know, well, what do you have to say about this? And, you know, asking him, like, what should we do? And then Jesus asks them, you know, like, well, you, whoever has no sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And then you see, and I love that the text says that starting with the oldest to the youngest, mm. they all started to walk away. So there is a certain form of that wisdom of, of seasoning and age and, and everything of being like, you know what? Maybe maybe there's a better way to do this. And maybe deep down we know that the law or, or what we call law or, or what we call the standard or what we say it has to be, the binary position isn't actually binary. And we can, we can restore someone rather than completely write them off. Yeah. And, and then – but the, there is a part of that story that a lot of preachers I think get weird is they say, well, Jesus could have stoned her and he chose not to. It's like, well, he would have never done that. So – and I think that that's the Christ-like position in, in, in those kinds of thinking is, is how, how would Jesus handle them? Yeah. Would Jesus still sit at the table with them? Yeah. Yes, he would he'd sit at the table with both of them, and he would come, he would find a place of love between the two of them and, and break down the division. They don't, that doesn't mean they have to agree. Not even the yeah. apostles agreed. Yeah. on everything you can see that in their teachings after the death of, or yeah. after the ascension of christ exactly yeah because there were people who followed a followed paul and people who followed peter and they disagreed on things and do we say that both of them are, that only one of their ways is right no you know but um yeah i, I completely agree and um that story of um the woman you know, commend, uh, commit, 
getting the, 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 yeah, the throwing stones story is a story that kind of resonated with me a lot uh, back in November and since then um, because it's like we because I think as someone who'd been a liberal progressive um, I think I felt a lot of that a lot of us were because I was that's where I was at the time that a lot of I say us um, that's what I was at the time but a lot of us um, were basically the people who were throwing stones and that you know we were like well we're we've got it all right we've got the moral authority we've got the spiritual authority um, we've got the right beliefs therefore we can throw stones at you you know and um, and the people people we were throwing stones at were anyone who supported Trump basically and and I felt that that was and I kind of thought well that's not that's not right either that, you know I don't agree with with people who supported Trump but it doesn't give me the right to throw stones at them you know um, and well I think of a picture like this there's there's the crowd that is probably sitting there waiting to stone the woman, and then there's probably the crowd waiting to stone the people ready to stone the woman. So it's like there's always these layers of, of who is the villain, who is the villain. But what I think is amazing about that story, and especially when you're talking about binary, non-binary, and where you said open hand, closed hand, is it they have a rock in their hand, and they have, it has to be closed. You're ready to throw the stone when your hand is closed and you've got it clenched, but you can't really throw stones too well when your hand is open. Yeah. So it's that key thing of getting them to open the hand. If you can get someone to open their hand, yes. then it's going to be okay. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and actually, as I've come to this kind of non, more non, kind of non-dual thinking, uh, transcendent spirituality is a phrase that I've used. Um, I actually kind of found myself more on eggshells around progressives and liberals as I have around conservatives like because I because if you you know you can't because because I have lots of friends who are in that space you know and I've been in that space and most of my values probably are in alignment with people in that space you know but I don't want to limit myself to that and it's like I mean we were talking about spiral dynamics spiral dynamics is this I mean I could do. I did. I, I did interview the guy that came up with spiral dynamics, and you could do a whole series on spiral dynamics because it's such an amazing idea, and it's so powerful and it's so true. Um, and Richard Raw does talk about spiral dynamics, you know. Um, so, um, but it's a it's a theory of human consciousness. It's a theory of different stages of of the different stages that we go through as individuals and as a culture of um, understanding and. Um, how we interact with other people and what's important to us and um, just understanding and consciousness and there's first tier where there's like six different levels um, and then there's second tier where there's like two levels and and I, Rob Bell, I heard Rob Bell speak about this for like three hours and he um, he said like only very like 1% of people ever get to second tier consciousness like Jesus was one of those people that got to second-tier consciousness, but most of us don't. And it's not about that. It's not about that we fit into one of these, one of these different groups. It's that we can be a, an amalgamation of different, of different, different stages of this, different, different sections of this, uh, of this viral. You know, um, 
it's not like you go from one stage to another stage to another stage kind of a linear progression it's kind of you can embody different parts of the spectrum um, at once um, and some have closer relationships with other people with others um, it's a very interesting idea and I'm, I wouldn't claim to be an expert on it but um, no, I'm, I'm right with you I'm not an expert I listened to like a liturgist podcast about it and read a couple of Wikipedia pages and that's that's the limit of my knowledge, but I, I do think of St. Paul, actually. Um, maybe he was ahead of his time in thinking about spiral dynamics before he even knew about it, which, when he said that when he was a child, he thought like a child, but then now that he's mature, he's put those things away. Yeah. And not, not necessarily that he's saying that's not valid. He, he's not saying that a child can't think like a child. He's saying that when you mature, you have to continue to reassess, reevaluate, reapproach, include, uh, expand the circle, expand the table, put more chairs at the table. If the table's too small, get a bigger table. You know, uh, it's that mentality where um, I think both of us, because we kind of grew up in more conservative uh, spiritual climates, that's that's what it was like. It was, it was how can we proof text ourselves? How can we keep, how can we protect this? How, how can we not get this taken away from us? How can we not break out of this and uh oh man i think it was jonathan martin uh he's great if you're not following him on twitter jonathan martin's like everybody's internet pastor right now but he (laughs) shared something about um the the fall of christian bookstores in the united states and how christian bookstores are going bankrupt left and right and he said that one of the one of the greatest parts of that is the fact that we don't, we don't have the choice for anybody to pre-screen what we want and don't want now because we now we have to go on to Amazon to get them because we can't walk into a bookstore where somebody else has planted specific ideas to force us into thought. So binary thought is no longer able to be forced because where you go is where you have to find it. So now going through Amazon, it might, in your recommended reading, find a title of a book that you didn't know you wanted and now you find it interesting, you read it, then you're like me when I was 21 or how old is I? 23 years old, reading a PDF copy of Love Wins, hiding it from people. So it's 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 mm. this expanded space of if being having a binary thinking, and people can force you how to think about something. It's in marketing, and preaching from the pulpit sometimes is the best marketing for how to think. But when you get into circles with new people and you expand that circle with a more diverse space, then it, it, by default, just to survive, you have to start thinking differently and you have to grow in that knowledge mm. and you can't hold on to everything being black and white all the time. Yeah, and, and the, interesting about, the interesting thing about spiral dynamics as well is, is that um, when we talked about it with Rob, um, he said that to go, to shift from one part to another um, takes a massive disruption. Um, and when I interviewed the guy who basically came up with spiral dynamics last year, he said that, and this is before Donald Trump was elected, he said, um, if Donald Trump is elected, it will cause a massive rupture. Um, it will cause a massive shift in, con- in human consciousness um, because people will be forced to move forward. It will, you know, because it will be the disruption that, that kind of invites change, invites a response you know um that you know and i think that's what we've seen already you know because we've because of a lot of people have been mobilized into taking 
into taking action. People on the streets, people write, people getting more involved in politics, people writing to their senators, um, people speaking up. You know, um, we've had the like the millennial generation probably have been more mobilised um, than ever before because they don't want to see what's happened um, happen again, and they don't because they want Trump they want Trump out of power and they can't believe this has happened. Um, and we're ha- we're having these conversations about um, hearing each other's stories, or do we just or do we just blanket wipe away people's stories that we disagree with? You know. These stories, are, these conversations are happening more because of what happened. Now, I'm not saying I, want, I would have wanted Donald Trump to get elected because I would never have wanted Donald Trump to get elected. But I think things like that happening were as a result of us not hearing each other's stories. I think if, I think if for example, like Brexit's the same. Brexit over here, it's exactly the same principle. If people have been willing to listen to the voices of this silent majority and actually hear their stories and acknowledge them, and say, okay, how can I help you? I may not want to help you in the way that Donald Trump wants to help you, but I can help you in another way. Um, then maybe we wouldn't have had this. We wouldn't have had these things happen in the first place. It's because it's because the both kind of both sides of this argument kind of alienated themselves from each other and declared war on the other and tried to silence the other that we had. Uh, and the liberal the liberal voices were winning and silencing all the conservative voices. And saying your voice doesn't matter, your story doesn't matter, um, and they kept pushing them down so that they had no choice. That when Donald Trump comes along and speaks and says, "I'm listening to you," that's their oxygen valve. They go to it, you know, because somebody cares about their story, or they, or somebody at least is listening, even if they don't like them. And then you get somebody like him getting elected, and that's, and, and for me, the lesson of the lesson of that's the lesson of what we've seen in the last year, you know, with Brexit and Trump and, and things like that, is that we need to hear each other's stories. We need to let go of this binary way of believing. Um, we need to change how we believe. Um, and if we can do that, then we'll come to a much healthier place. Um, There's something you said earlier about um, about being afraid, having to walk on eggshells. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting that you say this is because I I don't feel like I have to walk on maybe it's arrogance, but I feel like I don't have to walk on eggshells around my conservative friends, politically, um, spiritually, anything. I don't feel like it. Yeah. They're maybe it's because a lot of them see me as a project, but they, they I don't feel like I have to walk on eggshells. And one of the problems that I have because being somebody who is more liberal. Um, I, I do actually like to think of myself more as kingdom mindset, but that's, you know, we can get into that later. But I think I'm afraid to say certain things on Twitter. I'm afraid to say certain things in my blog. I'm afraid to have certain conversations with people who are very left. I, I would even say leftist, and, and that does have a certain connotation to it. Yeah. I'm afraid to say certain things because I'm afraid that if I don't say the right thing, hmm. the most inclusive thing, yeah. if I don't affirm everything, yeah. if I if I don't say that I'm still figuring it out, yeah. then I'm written off, which is worse. Yeah. And, and I feel like my my even my work and my projects and my reputation is at stake. Yeah. I, Whereas if I say it to my conservative friends, yeah, they might call me a fool. 
but they don't go after my reputation and my character. Yeah. And I think that, that that's the hard part. Mm. Is yeah. They they just say, well, you're misinformed. They don't say that I'm I'm a horrible person at my heart. Yeah, and that and that's exactly what I meant when I was talking. I think it was in the last, in the last episode actually talking about <laughs> walking on eggshells because that's exactly what I meant. You know, I don't feel like I don't feel I have to walk on eggshells around conservatives. Like um, my two best friends in the world are both conservative. Christians, you know, and we've had, we know we we disagree on things, and we've talked about it, but we don't try and convince the other because that's not what we're about. Our friendship means more than that, you know. And they they are they are both two of the most generous, loving, um, kind people, um, understanding people that you would ever meet. You know, um, we disagree on a few things, um, but that doesn't change our relationship. But I, but yeah, the fear that I have is not talking to conservatives. It's talking to the liberal progressives, which you know, who I have more in common with, um, and in terms of certainly in terms of beliefs and values, um, I have more in common with. And you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that will offend somebody. You know, um, and because I don't want to offend anybody, because we're on the side. I think we're on the same page. It's just that there's this kind of and I don't think people realise it either. I don't think people are aware of it, um, or they don't want to understand it. And and I have to at this point, I have to kind of take into account that I'm a white man as well. Yeah. Um, same. And so my story, I'm gonna. My story has boundaries. I, my perspective is limited. Um, I don't have the right to say what um, a person of colour or a um, or a woman or a transgender or LGBT person is feeling. Like, I don't get to speak into their experience. Um, I can't tell them how to feel or how they should be feeling or say that I understand how they're feeling, because I don't. Um, and and one of the things that I really am, have been really intentional about is saying, I want to shut up and hear their stories. Because... If they're getting upset about something, I don't, I'm, just, I'm not going to just leap in and make a judgment. I'm going to actually hear their story and hear why. You know, why, you, why does this upset you? You know, is it simply just because of how you believe or is it because of your story? You know, um, and, I've, and, I've, and that's, I mean, that, you can call that, I mean, that's, that is kind of treading on eggshells, but in one sense. But um, the stories we have to hear are not just the uh, uh, stories, not just in terms of belief, but in terms of experience. Um, I yeah, so I need to try and hear the stories of the LGBT community who've been who've been persecuted. I need to hear story stories of women and how how this makes them feel when Donald Trump is in the White House. Because I've got friends, women, female friends who've been abused, who the very fact Donald Trump got elected it was triggering to them. Um, and anyone and 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 they, and it and it and it reopens old wounds and memories and gives them flashbacks, you know. And so I can't just go to them and simply say, have a non-dual way of thinking, please. Let's all be inclusive and, and discuss this together, you know, because that is traumatising to them. So, um, I mean, treading on eggshells sounds like it's probably quite a negative term. Um, I think we need to exercise discernment when we're having yes. conversations with people, especially, and we need to hear people's stories and not just... The story, not in terms of just their opinion, but in terms of their life experience. So, hearing 
hearing stories of women who've been abused, hearing stories of people of colour and prejudice they've experienced, and hearing LGBTQ stories, you know, um, and actually trying to understand why they feel like they feel. Um, because otherwise I'm just imposing my beliefs on them exactly the same. And I don't want to do that. So um, it's a very kind of, there's a lot of discernment that you need and it's a very fine line that you're walking when you're going down this non-dual way of thinking. And it's not just as simple as what, it's not just, it's not just as simple as deconstructing what people believe. It's just deconstructing people's experiences and their stories. Um, and they can be very wide ranging. Um, all over the spectrum um and just acknowledging that and to me like being inclusive and non-dual is like everything every story every experience every opinion deserves to be heard and we need to hear all of them before we start making decisions on people or start talking about trying to convince people what we believe um and actually i think trying to convince people of what we believe is the wrong way to do it anyway i think the we need to people need to discover this stuff for themselves in a sense um yeah it, it's it's walking it together not being an apologist for your opinion yeah so that that's that's something uh i have a younger brother who is an atheist um i guess he falls more in the category of new atheist than traditional atheism he's more into dawkins than um just a lack of belief but you know i i asked him one time because he he's very aggressive very aggressive about his belief. <clears throat> and I asked him one time, you know, why are you so aggressive about, about atheism and getting me to become an atheist uh, compared to me telling you what I feel is the gospel? And he paused for a minute and was like, I guess I just don't want you to believe different than me and I was like so at its core is what you're saying is you just want me to think like you and believe like you but that does not make you a fundamentalist right and he's like no I guess that would I was like because if I did the same exercises to you about being uh, my religious experiences you would hate it you would feel trapped you would feel uh, unheard, unwanted, unvalued. The, the the relationship, even as brothers, would be strained. So why do you feel like you have to be an atheist apologist to me when I cannot be an apologist to you? Yeah. And that actually diffused a lot of the tension in our conversations. And um, between us three brothers, the, the two brothers that I have, you know, my brother's a conservative Calvinist, my brother's a new atheist, and I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm always playing the mediator. But after that conversation, when when we do get together, it's always pleasant, hopeful, mm -hmm. and you can see three people who have different kinds of thinking. Um, I mean, even down to one who's like, nope, as soon as you die, that's it. Uh, he's like an atheist annihilationist, <laughs> I guess. Oh. And then you have my brother who thinks everything's predestined and I'm saying it's all open-ended and maybe everyone gets in. And, but the three of us, when we get together and have those conversations, there's mm -hmm. something special happening. We're building relationships that supersede that conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's possible to have that conversation, you know, outside of the context of, of these circles. But the, the, I think the term's an echo chamber. 
Yeah. Everybody wants to affirm themselves through other people. Yeah. And, and constantly have that voice that's mm-hmm. going on. And that's not, that's really not healthy. Yeah. It's really not healthy. It's, it's so unhealthy to the point that, you know, that, I'll say it. There's a lot of these people who say, I, I, I've deconstructed and I'm open-minded and everything. And they're, they're a bigger bigot than they were before. Yeah. Because they're not, and, because they're just open-minded about being liberal. They're not open-minded about this is this is the great myth of our and I think it's in a kind of we're in a very kind of liberal culture now like you know the millennial culture is very much like the whole idea is oh I'm open-minded as long as you believe what I believe (laughs) you know or a variant of what I believe you know Um, if you're if you don't then I'm not going to listen to you I'm going to write you off and it's like you just and to me it's frustrating now because. I can see it with open eyes and it's like, no, you're doing exactly the same thing. And in 20 years time, there's going to be people who have moved on and are going to be saying the same thing to you, you know, because they're going to be saying you're conservative and you haven't moved on and you won't be able to see it just like you say these people can't see it because we're all believing the same way, this binary way. Um, And we're just changing what we believe. We're just substituting what we believe we're not subject, and we're just we're just doing it in the same way, and it's causing just as much division and and problems than, than we, as we had before, you know. And um, it's I mean it, it can be frustrating for me because I'm I, I like to be right about things, and it's one of my it's one of my exactly like Sarah Bessie says that a lot. Um, I'm a recovering know it all definitely, and and um, so I don't want to be. I don't want to come to this perspective and then start imposing this on other people and start thinking that everyone else is wrong and I'm right. Because that just defeats the object and it means I haven't changed at all. Um, what I want to do is actually, okay, I want to say you've got some stuff to add to the conversation, which I want to hear. And I agree with you on a lot of this stuff. And you have some stuff to, to contribute. And I don't agree with most of your stuff, but there might be some stuff there that might be useful. you know. Um, and t- taking that back to Spiral Dynamics... Second tier consciousness is when you when you understand that all the other tiers of uh, all the other all the all the stuff in the first tier consciousness has some value. That it's not about there's some wrong and some right. That actually there's parts of everything that have value. It's just about taking out parts of everything that have value and then using that. You know, and this is this is something we do really really badly. Um, you know, um, and it's I mean uh, as an example. I'm, as an example uh, here we've got this left very left extreme left-wing leader basically a socialist um jeremy corbyn um now he makes bernie sanders kind of look liberal and kind of mo- makes him look conservative sorry um he's like hardcore socialist um but he's mobilized a lot of young people um because he's a great campaigner but and there's and I, there's me as a student of politics I've looked at history and seen how some of these ideas that he's talking about, how this, where this goes. This isn't new, what he's talking about. It's been done before and it failed. You know, and that's not to say that I'm a right-winger, because I'm not. You know, we've got a right-wing government, and this guy's the only, only kind of... The, this party that he leads is meant to be the only alternative. Um, but I don't support either of them. And it's, and it's, and, but there's a whole lot of people where if you don't support Corbyn then there's something wrong with you. like, And they're quite hostile if you disagree with them and quite aggressive. And some of their tactics have been quite aggressive. 
you know but any criticism of him it's like oh it's the establishment criticizing him it's all made up um how can you say that you know and i've got family members who support him and i've found it very difficult to criticize him because they just can't see any criticism of him and you just it's almost like you're not allowed to criticize him you know because it's you know and 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 so i'm i've had that conflict here this is where it's where it's kind of come out in terms of my own physical day-to-day life you know um the spiritual side of it's come out more on social media and um with friends from i have from america but um that's where it's come out with me here but it for me it's kind of like saying okay there may be elements of conservative policy that i agree with some few maybe there might be some elements of this left-wing policy that i agree with um by the way our conservative policy is nothing like donald trump just for american listeners no conservative conservatism in america is like yeah probably it's not the most conservative in the world but it's it's very cult-like conservative our, our conservative um, party, um, us, the centre of the centre ground, the centre centre right here, would be seen as left wing in America probably. Um, you know, um, there you go. So, um, although we have an, we do have a bit more of an extreme right wing government, but not as right wing as Donald Trump. Um, so when I say oh, there's some things there that I might agree with, it's because I know a bit about British politics and policies and stuff. There's there's some things that they do that maybe I agree with. Um, there's some things I do which there's some policies of left parties that I agree with but that doesn't mean that they're all right or they're or they're all wrong Um, and we need to kind of start hearing each other's stories and conversations and actually respecting each other and you know not judging each other and I think that's the key to this kind of how we believe you know that I think I think that you find the beauty of, of the table in that. And hmm. um, this concept of eating together or at the very least participating in the sacrament of the Eucharist together, I think that that's, that's the saving grace in all this. Because hmm. I've found that if you can get somebody to sit down at a table with you and hmm. eat with you, because hmm. everybody's happy when they're eating. It's just natural. You, you can tend to build those relationships. Yeah. And and the relationship carries the, the conversation. The relationship carries the difference. Yeah. And the relationship carries the grace. Mm. That's like, with like I said with my brothers, is because the relationship is bigger than the conversation. The relationship is, the grace inside of that relationship is bigger than the difference. Um, yeah. and, and And that's why I think that you know, I, I see two two sides. I see the uh, conservative side, a liberal side. Uh, you know, that's just the best terms I have for it, and I'm sure there's other comparisons. But they're both holding shields, and they're both ready to do battle. But imagine if 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 somewhere in the middle of that, and and Jesus is standing in the center, like, hey, wait, no, don't do this, and those two sides come into clash. Imagine if when they got to the center to actually clash, what they met, what they were met with was the sacrament of the Eucharist, where the body and blood was broken for all. And that the, the risen Christ is present because it's present in that sacrament. And everybody believes different about that sacrament. But imagine if that they came together at that table, then, then there's something bigger going on. 
Yeah. And I, and I think that that's, that's why the, I think that's the beauty of the sacraments, but that's why you can create sacraments in your own social circles. And that's the, I think the importance of sacramental living yes. is finding something that can, that anything by all means that if you're in a disagreement, if you're in a fight, if you're in a battle, then you can come together, do this ritual together, even if it's just between you and your friends, and it sets everything right. Yeah, yeah. It diffuses the situation. Yeah, and when you talked about when you talked about how things are with your brothers now, that was as opposed to your how you struggle to speak on eggshells on social media to people who are progressive and liberal. Sometimes that was that was a great example to me of how when we believe with open hands then what we believe almost becomes irrelevant in a sense in that we can we can all get on and we can have community together and we can have relationship together even when we disagree because how we believe is different and and the meal exactly I, I totally agree with you on the sacraments and I think this is why the meal is so important it's why breaking bread and sharing the wine and stuff is so important because it brings people together, like you say, and um, the things that we disagree on kind of tend to fall away, and we just we just get on, we just talk, you know, and we're not trying to convince each other that we're right, and we're not hating each other, and we're not attacking each other. We're just being together, um, you know, and the meal is kind of almost encapsulates this whole idea of like non-binary thinking um, because it brings everyone together and we all hear each other's stories you know and there's something really powerful in that like you say you know I, I think of my friend Father Ken uh, Ken Tanner he's a he's a Pentecostal priest in the charismatic Episcopal Church he's a firecracker um, he's actually written for Huffington Post and Sojourners and stuff like that. Uh, oh, cool. I highly recommend his work. But, you know, I, I recently stopped going to church about two months ago. Um, I wrote a blog post about it. And people were really mad. Really, really, really mad. And um, the way that these two are connected is I, I, I stopped going to church. I stopped hanging out with people. Um, not because I was mad at anyone. I just I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, the exhausting thing of, well, what do you think about this? What do you believe about this? Why do you believe this way? Is that correct belief? Um, I think that you're wrong, and because I have a title, that means that I'm right. Um, this idea of, you know, uh, if you come here, you have to adhere to this tenet of faith. But then, uh, just this past week, I, I was I was missing the Eucharist. Because I felt like I was out of step. I felt like I was out of, of mind with things. So I decided to go back to church for the first time in two months. And I'm walking up to, to receive the bread. And um, I love this man to pieces. He's actually the person who brought me out of the dark night of the soul moment. And he did a lot of care for me. Mm. But he... He says with his gray beard and this booming voice that he has in this little church in Michigan, and he, he hands me the bread and he says, Charles, the body of Christ. And he hands it to me and I receive it. And all that baggage that I felt for the past 
however long, past two months, all the stuff had melted away. And the priest, I, I hand him the bread, he dips it in the wine, and I take it, and I'm walking back, and I'm, I'm holding back these tears and fighting it back because I feel this presence of God in that, and I feel this inclusion in that. And I started to think about the idea of how every single person in this room has different beliefs, has different baggage, has mm-hmm. different socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. that they have different ideas about even what this Eucharist means, what this bread and wine means to them. Is Christ in it? Is he underneath it? Is it a symbol? Is it nothing? Should we even take it? But they're all participating in it mm-hmm. and it's bringing them together. And they have to walk down the same line and you have to walk into the same spot and you have to drink from the same cup and you have to do everything. It's this great unifier because everything, the bread is ripped from the same loaf. The, the bread is dipped into the same cup. You're taking everything in the same. So it's all these outside opinions unifying into one thing, walking down one center aisle and then participating in the same things and then going back and then singing the refrain together and then receiving the benediction. There's something special about that that helps with your, I think in the church, within the church, that helps with to not think so binary. Mm. I think that the sacrament itself and even just the process of receiving the sacrament mm. is in that. So just think, even if it's at your own dinner table, where you're you're literally serving somebody else a meal you're literally serving somebody else something from the same pan from the same pot from the same bottle of wine or same everything you're it's all coming from one place and spreading out and uniting all these people to to be together yeah and having not been in church for two months i had forgotten that I had forgotten the idea of coming together and, and that my own beliefs and predispositions that walked me away from the church, that that brought me back together. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a moving story. I mean, oh gosh, I mean, just, I was just sitting here when you were telling that story, just, it gave me this picture of everyone I know from all sides of the spectrum, religious, political, all lining up to eat from the same cup to even sorry to eat, to eat from the same loaf and drink from the same cup and everyone doing that together and this this communion of all believers this like communion of saints in a sense you know um, and it was beautiful you know um, I just I just I don't know hearing that story gave me a sense of you know we're not always going to agree there's always going to be people who believe different things and have different interpretations of things because we all come at scripture, we all come at life with our own experiences and our own backgrounds and our own stories. So we're all going to come at things differently. Um, And of course there are things which are absolutely wrong, you know. Racism is wrong. Um, Prejudice against people of colour and people of and women and um, the LGBT community, you know, all of that, that's that's just wrong, you know. Um, and 
there are still there are there are stories as to why people believe those things. Oh, you know, and we we should hear those stories, but we also should take a stand against those things that are wrong at the same time. Um, but just imagining everyone saying we disagree, but we are going to get, but we are going to we are going to be together in community and love one another anyway. Um, that's the kind of feeling that I had, the picture that I had. Um, and in a sense, you know, I know people talk about heaven and whatever. Um, he- one, one, one thing that I would love in, if, you know, if there's a heaven and afterlife, whatever you want to call it, would be people from all over the spectrum eating from the same bread and drinking from the same cup and loving one another even though they don't agree and um, and believing maybe differently but believing in the same way yes as in how like like the example of you and your brothers like you all have different beliefs but how you believe is the same so you all get on so you are able to talk about anything you're able to hang out and have good relationship with each other and healthy relationship even though you disagree fundamentally on a lot of things because of how you believe and that's a great example for me of what we should be looking for what we should be aiming for um, change whatever our beliefs are you know how we believe is is changing how we believe is absolutely fundamental and it's a question that I think how do I believe is a question we all need to ask ourselves and be honest about you know I, I think of this time I got really frustrated with Jehovah's Witness once and it's not not their fault um, I don't know about the UK but a lot of Jehovah's Witness go door to door and hand you pamphlets I do that here yeah. pretty common okay um, I have nothing against them no, uh, neither have I. They're all wealthy people, actually, yeah, when I talk to them. Yeah, yeah um, but they came to the door, and they were handing me a pamphlet, and they were like, they were describing that. They were saying, see see what heaven is going to be like. And there was a pamphlet on heaven, which is which was interesting, which I was in the middle of deconstruction at the time, so it was like, please don't hand me this. Like, I can't deal with this. But she's like, see, there's white people, and there's black people, and there's... Uh, there's an Asian lady. What's, what's interesting is they were all segregated on the pamphlet. They weren't hanging out together. Um, but they were all on the pamphlet, and there's Jesus in the middle holding a lamb, which is kind of hokey. But uh, she was telling me, like, this is what heaven's going to be like. We're all going to be together in heaven. Yeah. And all that I kept thinking in the back of my mind was we could all be together now. Yes. We really could be yes. all together yes. now. Why, why does yes. it have to be? then and there why can't it be yes. not like yes if, if if you know in the lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven you know if if thy kingdom come thy will be done that that means it's establishing now and the first advancement of that yes and and exactly. the first advancement of that was when jesus commissioned everyone to go do the work of christ to be yes. mini christ to each other yeah and, and it doesn't matter how you come to believe it's that you come together and that you hash it out. Every Everything, you know, even if you look at the epistles, these are all different churches who are dealing with different issues because not everybody believes the same. And if you were to throw those people all together 
those churches would not necessarily no. have broken down because they had bigger things that they could come together under. And if the church is at the forefront of social justice, if the church is at the forefront of bringing people together, yeah. what have we been doing? That's why I love Pope Francis so much. I'm not even Catholic, but I just love the man to pieces because yeah. he's like, I don't, you're welcome in the Vatican. He he invited Muslims to the Vatican. Yeah. How radical is that? I'd lo- I'd how- yeah, I agree. I love, I love Pope Francis. I think he's amazing. I'm not a Catholic at all. I haven't been a fan of the Catholic Church, if I'm honest. But I love Pope Francis because exactly for the same reasons you're talking about. He's, he's, bring, he's, he's hearing everyone's stories. He's bringing people together. And like you say, and I know, I know the, the kind of picture I had in my mind was of heaven and heaven is a different place. But, you know, we all know, I mean, like I have always believed in it. And I know that you believe too, that we're called to bring heaven to earth now. You know, so we've got to start doing this now. Like you say, we've got to start putting this into practice where we are. And start asking ourselves these questions now. Because wouldn't it be amazing if we could do this now? You know, what kind of world would it, would it be like if we could start believing, not not just changing what we believe, but changing how we believe? Um, how we go about that belief. Yeah. That exactly. action, the belief in action. Yeah. I, I do, I grieve a lot. Um, mm. Not just for America, but for myself, because mm. I know my own prejudices. Yeah. Um, we've been we've been hosting movie nights. I uh, I get weird hobbies sometimes. I bought this giant inflatable movie screen and a projector, and I started hosting uh, movie nights in, in my front yard just to get people to come together. And that first movie night, I realized that half the kids in my neighborhood were African American, and I was like, okay, if half the kids in my neighborhood are African American then I can't just show everything with a white protagonist. I can't show everything with... Um, all the movies that I had lined up all had white lead characters. All yeah. the all the movies that I had lined up, the, not only was the character white, but the voice actor was white. And if half of my neighborhood is African-American, then I have a responsibility to put what I believe and how I believe that into action to bring a character of color onto the screen, or at the very least, the voice actor of color onto the screen so that I'm not excluding the people that I've been set to love. If I love my neighbor as myself, Mm. how I go about believing that in the day to day and pushing those prejudices aside, even if I don't necessarily like the movie that, because let's be honest, a lot of of kids movies, especially that have uh, people of color as the lead, they don't get the same attention and care that the typical Disney white princess gets. Mm. But I have a, a social responsibility to represent my neighborhood well, even at the even if that means putting myself aside and and the things that I like aside to make somebody else feel included. I have that responsibility and I have to live that out. And I have to make that a conviction of mine. Even if it's not a conviction of mine to start, I have to make that a conviction of mine. Yeah. I have to train myself. I have to, uh, I have to contemplate that. I have to meditate on that. I have to prepare myself for those things because the last thing I'd ever want to do is make my neighbor who is different than me in every way feel like they are not worthy of love, 
like they are not being loved, or even the subtleties of discomfort, that they're not represented well, I, I have to make that my priority. And I, I think Jesus makes that as a priority as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's, a, it's just a it's just a decision we have to keep making with ourselves to, and we have to keep on questioning what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, and you know, the, like you say, the people around us, um, are we representing them? Are we... Sp- are we hearing their stories? Are we acknowledging? Are we acknowledging their stories in our actions? You know, um, even in the basic stuff like what film you show at a film night. You know, are we acknowledging the people that are around us? Are we acknowledging that truth? You know, of who they are. Um, yeah, this has been a really good discussion. Again, I think. You know, I think we could probably talk for hours about this. Let's be got the mojo going. Um, you know how, but this is something that's really fundamentally shifted for me. Uh, one of the big things, uh, one of the biggest conclusions, I guess, from the journey that I'm that I'm still on. You know, because it never ends. Um, the story, but is just changing how we believe and um, having a non-dual, non-binary way of believing. An open-handed belief, um, way of believing, um, and that that changes everything about. It changes our relationships. It changes how we interact with other people. It changes how we live. Um, it changes, it even changes what we believe in a way, um, um, and it's a much healthier way to live. I think. Um, yeah. So thanks, Charles, for for coming on. And I'm sure we'll have you on for more on this series. We're going to be having other guests on as well, hopefully, to talk about some of these questions. Uh, and I'm loving doing this series so far. So uh, thanks for coming on, Charles. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I, I look forward to whoever else you have on too. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, thanks. And thanks for listening, everybody. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback as well uh, and what you think about this um, and any reflections and stories you want to share. Um, so you can do that um, by you know, tweeting me at jamesprescott77 or emailing me james at jamesprescott.co.uk um, I would love to hear from you and um, hear other people's perspectives on these um, and what we've been talking about because I think it's, it's an important topic that um, we, need to, we need to keep on exploring so um, thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk soon